episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 54. This week I spoke to Jeff Martin from Muncie Speed. Really good interview and uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I wanted to put a big shout out to our Patreon supporters again. Um, we had another great supporter jump on board. He, he wasn't that keen on doing a subscription, which is, you know, I guess Patreon, if you haven't really been following how that works, but, you know, you, you can donate, say, $5 a month or $10 a month or whatever you decide to do, and it automatically gets debited out of your account detail and uh, and just sort of, you know, helps and supports the running of the cost of the podcast if you're enjoying it enough to feel like doing that. Anyway, uh, big shout out to Gary Johnson. He messaged me. Um, he wasn't keen to do that, but. He wanted to um, just donate a little bit of money because he enjoys the podcast and he listens. Uh, he's on the road quite a lot. So awesome. Um, Gary, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, it's definitely appreciated. Um, goes towards uh, hosting costs of the podcast and the, the software that we use for recording. So that's great. And speaking of podcasts, I just want to put a shout out to uh, to a couple of guys who got a new podcast in the Aussie automotive scene. So uh, the podcast is called Never Late Podcast, and um, it's Chris and Ao, and they've got two episodes out now. So, uh, you know, just another couple of guys in Australia who love their cars. Um, carrying on a little bit from where the Fong Slappers left off. So, if you were ever a Fong Slappers listener, um, they do a bit of a, you know, talk about cars and, and the stuff they're into, and they do a bit of a review each month on the um, Street Machine magazine, which is really cool. So. Check that out. Uh, if you want to follow them on Instagram, it's never, and then late is L and the number eight underscore podcast. But uh, yeah, if you just check them out on your iTunes or wherever you listen to you, your podcast right now, uh, never late podcast, Aussie guys doing a great job. So look forward to more episodes from them in the future. Um, so yeah, Jeff Martin, uh, you know, I've been chatting to Jeff for a long time and you'll hear that in the podcast. He's uh He's a really good dude and, and does some really cool stuff. So I first kind of heard of him on the C10 Talk podcast and then he, he popped up um, on the F100 Talk podcast with Solomon Lunger and, you know, just really, really friendly, good guy. And I, I think he just makes some really awesome products. And so he's been listening to, you know, this podcast for quite a long time. And as you'll hear in, in the episode, um, you know, he's always messaging me about stuff. He's quite passionate. and. Yeah, he sort of contacted me and he was asking me a bit about finding an Aussie supplier and, and so, you know, we put him in the right, right direction. And so, you know, if you're aware of Muncie Speed, they make um, all sorts of composite parts for American classic trucks. So whether that's fiberglass or carbon fiber, and there's lots of detail in this podcast. So really, really cool to listen to. What happens with the podcast quite often, you know, when I get the guest on, we just start, we start chatting a little bit. Um, 
before we start recording, but I normally just hit the record button early just so that uh, we don't forget to do it because I've done that in the past and that's quite embarrassing when you record a one-hour podcast and you didn't record it. So, yeah, we're doing that. We were just shooting the shit a bit and just talking and, and I realised that we were just kind of using up some good uh, info. We, you know, And this happens all the time and I'm like, oh, shit, we should just start the podcast. So, uh, so the start of this podcast is actually just us shooting the shit for a little bit and then, and then I sort of say to him, hey, we're wasting good stuff here and we do an intro. So, it's not going to flow in the way it normally does. It'll just start kind of mid-conversation, but uh, I think it's worth adding. And, uh, yeah, really good really good chat. Really enjoyed speaking to Jeff. So I um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I uh, really apologise. It's been a few weeks since I got an episode out. I did record one, uh, just me talking a bit more about the truck show and then about some other things that are happening. And I managed to do it without plugging my USB microphone in. So the audio was really shit and I couldn't make it sound good enough. So I ditched it and you've got Jeff this week and I'll re-record that and I'll try and get it out for you next week. So yeah, sometimes uh, I've got interviews lined up and sometimes not. And and that's probably another good shout out, you know, like if you listen to the podcast and, and you've got a cool truck and you've built it and there's a good story and, you know, you, we're not all about show trucks on this podcast. We're about you know, Joe Blow in his shed building a truck. doesn't matter. I don't care if it costs you 20 grand to build it or 100 grand to build it. You know, we want to chat. We want to talk about it. So if you're one of those people and, and you're happy to pick up the phone and have a chat just whenever it suits, shoot me a message. Um, let me put you on the on the list of, you know, when I, you know, I might have a someone lined up and they fall through and I can just say, oh, I'll just give this guy a call and we'll, we'll do his episode instead. So it'd be nice to have a few guys up my sleeve like that. that um, you know, that you guys are happy to, to do an interview, but you're not in any massive hurry. If it takes a few weeks, it doesn't matter. So hit me up. Um, it'd be really nice to, you know, that way, you know, we can get away. I won't have to miss a week. I can just go, I'll shoot your message and say, hey, I'm going to do a recording Wednesday night. Let's do it. And just jump on the phone or jump on the computer. So that'd be awesome. Anyway, enough bullshitting on. Uh, this is Jeff Martin, Muncie Speed. I hope you guys enjoy it. You know, as, as you've heard, our, our world is so much harder and different to what you guys deal with. Oh my gosh, I know. There's so many times where, you know, I'm I'm just listening to the process when you're interviewing these guys, and oh oh man, it's a, <laughs> when you talk about okay, so are you working with an engineer on that? What the engineer say? I'm just like, oh man, that would never fly over here. We would that oh that would make it so much harder to do. It's now don't get me wrong, it's the right way to do it. I don't, I cannot argue that for as much of it as, as a pain in the butt, you know, because they're nitpicky on the details. It's, it's all in the name of safety. And I've, I've heard it said on your show before, some of the stuff that, that is going down the road over here is just so terrifying that, you know, it would, it, it shouldn't be on the road. We should have somebody saying, no, that that's not safe, but we don't. And, you know, that's just the way we roll. But, oh my gosh, I, matter of fact, we have friends over just last night. And, um, I was explaining to him, you know, I was saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to finally record on a podcast that I listen to a lot. And then I just stopped and went, oh my God, the engineering over in Australia, the engineering reviews that you have to go through. Cause he's doing a full chassis swap on his truck right now. And, and I just went over and looked at it the other day and I said, all of that would have had to been signed off by an engineer. <sighs> Mind blown. I'm like, why? Because. <laughs> Because that's because they have they have to say yes this is approved or not approved you don't get to just 
make your own chassis and put it under your car and be perfectly fine. No questions asked. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny because I imagine we're wasting really good content that should be uh, in the podcast here. But I, I really imagine that, you know, GM have engineers who test everything. They have to meet all the regulations when they put a new vehicle on the road. But but you can take that vehicle, chop it up, do whatever the fuck you want with it, and then drive it the next day as go blow US citizen and that's okay. It's really strange. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well let's get recording, man. We'll 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 just capture all of this. Yeah. Well we are recording, so um what it why don't we just kick right in uh, mid mid chat and just keep all that on there? But uh, so Jeff Martin, welcome to the Classic Pickup Podcast. Um, you know we've been chatting for a long time, and uh, I know you uh, you've been listening to the podcast as we've been saying. And you know there's there's a heap. We you message me just about every episode and say, oh, I can't believe this, I can't believe that, and yeah, it's really cool to um, to get that feedback and just to you know to hear things from a different point of view, but um yeah definitely good to get you on the podcast and and we'll get right into you know who you are and and your business muncie speed which is uh, a really cool thing and there's some some groundwork and some things happening here in australia with that but let's let's just kick it back and, and start with the early days what what's your background and what's your early automotive memory well first of all super excited to be on this show specifically as you know I listen to this all the time. So it's it's always cool to be part of the conversation that you listen to uh, anyway. Usually right about now when the person's introducing themselves is when I hear you pop open something to drink. Um, but you, you were pre-popped, ready to go. Um, so usually this is about the time in my ear I'm listening for you to crack something open. Uh, so again, just super excited to be here, man, to be part of this. So we'll go back to the beginning. And most people will appreciate this from an American. Um, the 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 family was, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. We were always out in the driveway, fixing our own cars, uh, you know, helping dad, giving him wrenches, helping him, you know, get the transmission in the truck so he could get it back on the road Monday morning. Our next door neighbor um, had just an old 61 Falcon Ranchero sitting on the side of his house. And finally, he just said, you guys want this thing? And, uh, you know, we pushed it out of his driveway and over into ours. And, you know, where most guys you hear of their first their first car was a, uh, you know, a 67 C10 or an old F100. Mine was a good old 61 Falcon Ranchero that, quite honestly, only ran for about a year uh, before we blew it all apart. You know, and as a kid, you're excited to blow a car apart because you've got all these ambitions of, of fixing it up and it it never actually went back together. Uh, and then again, I gave that to somebody else and said, all right, get this thing out of here. I, I can't fix it. Uh, but yeah, going back to the beginning, man, it all started with the Falcon as it should, in my opinion. Yeah, you're you're a big Ford Falcon fan, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. So over here in the States, they, they were really just kind of a secret. They were the car that nobody really knew about or wanted uh, until, you know, it got a, it got a little bit of, of heat and, and and famous notability from one of the the big car shows that we have over here. One of the guys on that show, Aaron Kaufman, he ended up getting a Falcon and that kind of raised everybody's eyebrows to Falcons. And all of a sudden, man, the prices just shot up on those things. So I always give them a tough time about that. Say, Aaron, man, why'd you kill the market like that? I, these were the fun little cars that nobody knew about until, you know, you had it on the TV show and all of a sudden everybody wants a Falcon. 
it went up five thousand dollars in price you know you used to be able to pick up a copy for a couple grand because you know nobody knew about them they'd go like oh yeah i mean here get this nova out of here right they didn't even know what they were uh but now all of a sudden you know they're they're popular cars so uh, that was unfortunate but I'm, I'm glad to see that they're actually getting a little bit of fame and notability over here and of course the thing that I always like to remind the Mustang guys, they always say like, oh yeah, Falcons, they use Mustang parts. I like to correct, correct them and say, no, no, Mustangs use Falcon parts, buddy. Get it right, because that's where they came from. Ford pulled out of the Falcon parts bit to, to create the Mustang. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, for, for our Aussie listeners who maybe don't know what a Ranchero looks like, it, it's basically a XK Falcon Ute, you know, the, pretty much the same body shape as, as what our, you know, 61, falcon ute looks like so yeah definitely a, a cool vehicle but um yeah so do you know if that ever got finished have you ever seen photos of it or anything it disappeared no i handed it off to a guy put it up on craigslist which you know was just like a local marketplace guy rolled up with a, a trailer went on the trailer never saw it again i i i i am highly doubtful that it actually ever made it back on the road uh, but that did lead way for me to then have, you know, um, even more deep uh, ambitions of getting a Falcon on the road. So it took a couple of years, you know, just kind of put my nose to the grindstone and started working, saving money and um, ended up with a, uh, a 65 Falcon hardtop, which uh, was kind of the coolest of the, the looking Falcons from the 64, 65 era. So picked that up and that was just supposed to be just a, you know, leave it alone and drive it car because I learned my lesson from the first one. And I did for a couple of years. I left it alone. I drove that thing. It was it was kind of my daily driver. Now I did. I was in a van pool. So all I would have to do is drive up to like the local grocery store parking lot where, you know, then I would, you know, crawl in the commuter van with everybody else. So it didn't have to have a, a long drive to work, um, but it was just a really rowdy full drag car had no manners whatsoever skinny tires on the front big fat ones on the back four grand stall converter and some you know like nice little like hot roller motor in it so it was like driving a light switch you know it was like you hit the gas and it would just go rev up to four grand and bark the tires and the whole thing so had no manners whatsoever and i loved that car my uh my at the time girlfriend then turned wife she was around from the time that i picked up the car uh, all the way through, you know, the early years in, in our first house and me commuting to work. And uh, she appreciated that I loved the car, but she kind of stayed away from it. She's like, this thing is noisy and loud and messy. Um, you know, you're on your own there. Whatever you want to do with it, fine. And a um, couple years in, I had a, a buddy that 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 was kind of pushing me on, an, on one of the projects I had with that car. I want to get a, a four-speed in this thing, just an AOD automatic overdrive four speed and it should be an easy swap i'll do it over christmas break not a problem so he had a fabrication shop i dragged the car into his fabrication shop dropped the transmission put the new transmission in no problem and then he said great job this car is not leaving here until it's at least one color because it was all kinds of, of different patch job colors so he's like good job on that but it can't leave here it looks hideous you gotta at least paint it you do just a cheap little paint job and i just couldn't do a cheap little paint job so instead i ended up blowing the entire car apart here we go again right blew the whole car apart um we got it blasted 
got it sent down to the the paint place and uh, before you know it here's you know me and my wife staring silently at just the shell of a falcon completely in primer up on a rotisserie almost upside down you know because they were painting the underside of the uh, the roof just staring in silence and finally she goes what did we do <laughs> like i i think we i think we're just starting a falcon project now we got that car back together in, in less than a year and man that that car ended up really beautiful so it was a it was a nice redemption on that first falcon that i never finished this was a way nicer falcon than that one was anyway and uh, that kind of started it all man you know where most people say that you know they built a car with their with their dad or they built a car with their brother i built the car with my wife and her and i had you know different parts of that car assembled and unassembled as we were putting it together and sorting it out over the first three four years of our marriage and uh man that that kind of melded things a little bit about what kind of relationship you know we had as husband and wife uh which was great man you know she she did not have a problem getting underneath that car and helping me either get a drive shaft in or set the rear end or even do interior work a matter of fact i handed off all of the interior wiring to her because she didn't like i wasn't meticulous enough i thought i was being meticulous she's like no 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 no. i'll do the wiring so i've got pictures of her actually laying out in the car doing all the wiring underneath the dash because uh, she wanted it done a specific way so uh, I, I, that falcon was actually more than just a build uh, that actually helped kind of solidify what kind of relationship my wife and i had in the beginning so man love that car i did sell that car there it went um so it went so good putting that car together and it turned out so nice i learned another lesson which is don't make a car too nice that car was so beautiful that I was honestly afraid to drive it anywhere. I turned into that guy who was like, well, we could take it out to breakfast, but I need to put it somewhere where I can watch it from inside. There's no, you know, locking the car, walking away and taking your eyes off of it because you just put so much blood, sweat and money into a car that, you know, just I couldn't emotionally let that go. Um, and that became a problem. So I, I, I could at least admit it to myself. Okay, I made this one too nice. So I told my wife, I'm going to sell the car. It's a museum piece. It's not a car. I can't have a car so pretty that I don't want to drive it. We need to get back to cars we want to drive. Uh, and she said, first of all, you're crazy. And then after about a month of me not letting up on it, she finally just said, okay, let's do it. Let's get rid of it. And um, as soon as I said it was for sale, it was sold. That car was gone, uh, which was nice. Went to a great home, went to a Falcon lover who had other Falcons as well. And uh, that was kind of the circle of life from the first Falcon all the way from uh, buying it, building it, uh, realizing it was too nice and then selling it. So lessons learned off the Falcons. That one I do know where it's at and it's in a really good home. So that was uh, that was at least the early years of, of how Muncie Speed started. And I mean, that's the ultimate test of whether your wife's going to be a keeper or not. If she's crawling around under the car helping you put it together, then you got the right one, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure every every guy who's had a girl crawl crawl around on a car with them, those are the best pictures to get, right? Because you got the car and the girl, and you can prove that they they can live together in harmony. <laughs> So speaking of which, that's that's usually where people ask, so where did Muncie Speed start in? Where did Muncie Speed start? It started on that Falcon. 
So if anybody goes, go online and you can just search for Muncie Speed Falcon and you'll see it. It's a dark charcoal gray uh, hardtop. And if you'll notice the front and rear bumpers are modified. Now it'll look like what they are is just a Shelby um, GT apron off of a Mustang. I actually hand built those bumpers um, because I didn't like the way that they grafted Mustang bumpers onto the Falcons. They just didn't fit right. So I decided to just build my own. There's a, uh, um, at the time it was a car show here in the States, um, during, you know, like weekend car show roundup, you know, all of the, all of the car shows that they have. And there was a gentleman by the name of Kevin Tex. Now, anybody, if you go look at like paint education, which is paint education, paint education, you'll see Kevin Tetz. He's the owner of that, which is a really good, uh, curriculum for anybody who's looking how to do like auto body work, paint and anything like that. This guy has like high end skills. Um, and he teaches a lesson on that now. Um, he had a show where he just made a front bumper for one of their truck projects. And um, he just did it out of fleece with fiberglass behind it and gave me the idea of like, oh, wait, maybe I'll just make my own bumpers. Now, I had never touched fiberglass before in my life, but um, I just, you know, started and and just kind of figured it out. It was horrible. It was bad. But, you know, that first one threw away, did it again. And figured out how to how to at least make something that was reasonable and uh from there you know painted them put them on the car and they looked great and this was back before a lot of like the facebook groups and instagram so everything was in forums and the falcon forum that i was on as soon as i posted pictures of it with those bumpers I had people contacting me hey man can you make one of those for me you know is that something that you can make for me and i didn't know that i couldn't make them so i would just say yeah sure i'll give it a try and I started making fiberglass bumpers for front and rear Falcon. And uh, after a while, there was so many requests for it that I thought, well, maybe this just turns into a thing, you know, instead of just a, a guy that's hard to contact, put some kind of name behind it. So that way they, you know, we can brand this bumper. So it makes it easier for people to find. And that's where Muncie Speed started. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, there's so many businesses that start that way, isn't it? Like you you create a niche or you create a, a need for something and you solve it yourself. And then everyone says, Hey, I want one as well. And before you know it, whether you want to or not, you, you know, you manufacturing, what, what were you doing at that time professionally? Like what, what's your background? Uh, higher education technology. So central technology group for uh, university. And uh, so it, it, uh, it, it made it really easy, you know, for the weekends that you could just work on your own projects uh during the day you know you really had no time to do anything but uh yeah that that was that was a full-time gig so so you're laying up fiberglass which well you're from california is that right uh yeah i mean I, i'm in texas now so we don't like to admit that that we're from california <laughs> you know, we keep that as a a, a deep secret uh, unless we get uh you know figured out but yeah at the time i was in california yeah so hence you would have had access to i'm assuming there's surf shops and stuff like that for fiberglassing like how do you how do you get that knowledge and do that sort of stuff yeah that's exactly what it was where we lived was not too far from the coast and um orange county where a lot of like the surf shops and a lot of the boat manufacturers and, and boat repair places were um, they had kind of their own little 
supply shop down there so people could just run in and pick up glass or resin or gel coat or whatever they needed. So I just went in there and kind of just started hanging out like it was a bar. They had bar stools down at the end. So I would just hang out down there and just ask a bunch of questions. And I'm a pretty friendly guy. So as customers would come in, you know, I would just kind of chum it up with them and then, you know, just ask them like, hey, where, where do you work? What are you working on? And, you know, you'd get uh, board shapers that would come in. You would get some aerospace guys that just needed something that they couldn't order. But a lot of times you just got boat builders and mold builders that would come in and just pick up supplies. So I'd always just kind of pick their brain. Oh, what are you working on? Like, what, what do you, what's your, what's your, you know, what's your jam? What, what's your specialty? What do you work on? And then just start asking them questions. I would always be the dumbest guy in the room. So it made it real easy for me to go, well, what is that? I don't understand. Like, how do you do that? Why are you buying this? I, I've, I've seen somebody else buy that. What are you using it for? And people are super friendly and, and willing. If, if you show you're willing to learn something, then they will actually take the time to give you a piece of knowledge. Now, you know, depending on how you digest that and, and how you show your appreciation or your attention really dictates on whether or not next time you see them come in, whether they'll give you more or if they're just going to cut you off. You know, if you're reaching for your phone or cutting them off or, or you know, showing that you're not really taking in the, the little nuggets of knowledge they're giving you, then, you know, you, you get guys that will just shut you down. But I, I was always really appreciative of anything that anybody would give me. So I was just that guy hanging out at the end of the uh, the supply bar asking questions. And after a while, people just go, oh, hey, it's you again. Hey, I thought of something else. I wanted to show you this. And they'd show you some yeah. really cool tricks. And and I guess, you know, like if I'm a shaper or a boat builder, like you're telling me you're building a bumper for a Falcon, I'm not concerned about you taking my business away. So I'm happy to share that information, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's one thing that I that I think is kind of a shame. Today, I'll actually get people who who will con they'll DM me on Instagram, which is where a lot of my attention is. I don't really put any attention in any of the other platforms. Uh, I really just focus on Instagram. You get people that'll ask, "Hey, I got a question. I'm trying to learn how to, you know, fill in the blank." Um, and I always take those the most serious. It's not the sales. It's not the promotions. It's the guys who just want to start to learn to build something in their garage and do basically how I started. I always take the time to stop and really understand their question and try to give them an answer. And time and time again, these are the, these are the same DM responses that I always show my wife. The people that go, oh, man, that's so cool. I really appreciate you taking the time. Other people won't give me the time of day. And that's so sad. I always apologize for those guys. Why wouldn't they give you the time of the day? Are they really worried about some guy in his garage just trying to get his project together, taking their business? That's not what it's about, man. Especially when you start to get into like the really intricate like carbon fiber stuff. Man, it's such a black, it's it's a it's a black magic. It's you know, such a small amount of people who actually do this stuff. There's plenty of fish to go around, man. That even if they did the same exact part you did. You, they're not going to put you out of business. There's just way too much work for people that are skilled in doing it. So I always feel bad for people like that, but I always try to stop and give them almost like a, like a mentorship and kind of the same thing. If I feel like they really understand what I'm saying and they go apply it and then come back, I'll give them more. If I feel like they're just saying, I don't want to read, just tell me how to do it. Yeah. Tell me, tell me how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll point you to some general homework, 
But if you don't do that homework and you come back and ask questions that were that were pointed out in that homework, I'm going to just point you right back to that homework and say, you got to get through the one-on-one stuff and then I'll help you from there. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mate, so I make custom pie pits as my main business and, you know, they're, they're pretty high end. I, pie pits, three and a half thousand dollars. They're not, they're not just your backyard. Yeah. So, but I, I often have people say to me, oh, I made this fire pit, you know, oh, you know, and they, they kind of feel bad that they're doing what I'm doing, but they're not doing what I'm doing. And, but at the same time, like I say, like there's 20 million people in Australia. We've all got a backyard. I can't make that many fire pits, you know, like there's how many Falcons are on the road or how many C10s and, you know, there's room for everyone. There really is. So that's cool. Yeah, there's totally room for for everybody. There's no way you're going to be able to handle all of the volume out there. And nine times out of ten, people who are asking, they just want to learn for themselves. They don't necessarily have the have the ambition to put you out of work. Um, or if they did, they would quickly learn. They don't want to put you out of business because there's just so many parts to go around that that can be made. So, yeah, it's totally not a problem. So, I, I've done a little bit of fiberglassing because I'm a surfer and. I'm not a great surfer, which means I need to fiberglass my board <laughs> every now and then. But um, yeah, and uh, I'm certainly not great at that. But I I look at your work and I imagine, you know, I'm sure that working out how to make the first one is is something that's complex. But the most complex thing has got to be making the molds to do repetitions of a product, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that has to be done dial that in perfectly so that you make each one easier as you go on. Yeah. And, you know, as you get into, into the process, you learn, um, <clears throat> there's actually people who, who are skilled in such niche areas of composites, which is, which is all we do. I guess that that's important for the, uh, the listener as well. So Muncie speed does composite parts. We do it for classic American trucks. So your F 100, your C 10 stuff like that. What I like to say is if you've got an old farm truck that has a Italian supercar identity crisis, I'm the guy for you. You know, we make the parts for you, which is all uh, carbon fiber and uh, composite fiberglass, high end fiberglass. Don't think of this as like the old chop strand with, you know, junky resin fiberglass. This is the, the high end, really quality stuff that we make. So that's basically what Muncie Speed is. We focus on composite parts for classic American trucks, which... I don't even know if they're classic American anymore because they're really worldwide. And uh, we'll kind of get to that in a little bit, right? Because we've got a, a little bit of an exciting announcement to make on that. Uh, but getting through the process, you learn like, okay, so what do I need to do in order to have a composite part? Well, first thing, you got to make a plug, which is the original part out of metal, wood, um, chewing gum, plaster, whatever, right? You got to just make something that holds a shape. And then you've got to make a mold of that part. Now that's, you know, kind of a, a female negative of that plug that you created. And then from the mold, then you actually make the part you're going to pull from it, right? So what, what I've learned through the years is there's people who are actually specifically um, trained and professionally focused on just certain areas. So there's people that all they do is molds because they turn it into an art. Anybody can make a mold, but the people who just say, no, my jam is that I like making molds. 
you, you look at some of their molds and you go, oh my gosh, the attention to detail you put into the flange that you put around the part or, you know, the, the finish that you put on the part or the way that you thought through how this part was going to release from it or, you know, all the branding that they'll put into the, the mold. As beautiful. The guys that are high end on that are super high end. And, and usually you'll find guys that just go, all I do is molds. I don't pull parts. I just make molds and that's it. Oh, dang. Okay. And then there's people who just go, I hate making molds. I just want to make the part, you know, or even people that go, I just like designing the part. I hate actually making the molds or pulling the parts. So you'll find that people will actually get into these little sub niches inside the composites world and just focus and get really, really good at those parts. Unfortunately, all of us have to be somewhat a jack of all trades at first so you can kind of understand all the process and then determine, all right, where do I best fit in in this process? Um, and then find other people that are good at the things that you don't want to make. It's kind of like anything else, right? Figure out what you don't want to do and then find somebody else who does want to do that instead. Yeah, that's business 101, isn't it? <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so, I mean, that's that's similar to the old school, you know, the sand casting guys who, you know, if you were pouring a cast iron part or something like that, you know, the, and I mean, a lot of those guys did that back before you could get on a computer and create a CAD design and 3D print something. Like, I think these days that job's just become so much easier, I feel like. But yeah, that's really cool. So a lot of your parts, they... I don't know if you would you call it like a naked carbon fiber where you can just see the strand lay and it's that traditional carbon fiber look that we all know and love. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can get you can get parts for your truck that that look just like that. And you know, do people traditionally paint those or do they just go, it's carbon fiber, I'm leaving it? Yeah, you get a lot of guys that they they want that carbon fiber look, so they'll leave it uh, exposed carbon uh, is what we call it in the industry. So they'll want that cosmetic layer of the carbon fiber. And then usually you bury it under a little bit of clear for a couple of reasons. First of all, kind of helps it pop in either, you know, like a if you do like a high gloss because they want that shine or a matte finish. If you're doing like an interior piece and you want it a little bit more subtle, um, but also you want that UV protection uh, on top of it. So, you know, over the years, it actually stays looking nice. Um, but then there's some guys. It's so funny. So you can break it out into uh, different categories. There's the guys that like the carbon fiber look, so they want the exposed carbon. There's the true race, the racers that they're they're going to cover it up anyway. They're going to wrap it in vinyl anyway because you know they've got sponsors, so they want to make sure that it's wrapped, and also they want to make sure that it's concealed. They don't want people to know oh, that's a carbon fiber front end on their C10. Uh, they don't want people to know that their F100's got carbon on it, you know. So it's super super light compared to the other guy. Um, and then you got the other guys that um, was not uh, it was not a niche that I thought we would get much traction on, but I am so surprised that people are going this direction. Is just a fiberglass version, so gel coat with fiberglass underneath version of the same part. Originally, what we thought was, you know, people are going to want a lightweight carbon fiber part. As we started optioning it in a lightweight fiberglass, a woven fiberglass fabric, what we learned was a lot of the styling that we would put into smoothing out like the wiper cowls or correcting some of the fit and finish on like the fenders and the hoods and stuff like that. People just didn't want to muck with having to get an aftermarket metal part and then spending, you know, three weeks like reshaping it to make it fit halfway decent. We have to do all of that to a metal part before we even make the mold anyway. So they're getting all of the advantage of that work being done. 
So when they pull the fiberglass version, you know, when they order the fiberglass version, it's already smoothed out, ready to go. All they got to do is just the final scuff and paint. And then, you know, they've, they've got the part that they're looking for. They're not looking for the carbon fiber look. They're just looking for a nice fitting fiberglass part, which I know is kind of an oxymoron because we always think, you know, fiberglass doesn't fit well. It always fits horrible. Old school fiberglass, absolutely, I would agree. But there's so much advancement in the technology now that you can get a really, really nice fiberglass part that comes out of a mold. And, uh, you know, it should pop right in place and uh, have a really good fit and finish to it. So those are kind of the three areas of the customers that we see. A lot of the show truck guys, they want that smoothed out fiberglass because they're going to paint it anyway, So which is great for us because we get to reuse our mold for more than one uh, one type of builder out there. Yeah, I mean, you can go all the way back to George Barris and the stuff that he was building. I mean, he was doing all fiberglass, you know, some of the most famous hot rods on the road right now are fiberglass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, you go back and you look at some of that old stuff that he was doing. Man, those cars must have been super heavy because his fiberglass was thick. <laughs> but if that car hit somebody, man, they'd be in trouble. That's for sure. Even, um, you know, Boyd, the Boydsters, were they fiberglass back in the day? No, I think those were all metal bodies. I could be completely wrong. I think they were metal bodies. Um, but again, I lie a lot, so I, I could be totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so so i um i i probably like most of our listeners i got a bit of an idea on carbon fiber and and then there's kevlar which i think is a different beast but what's what's the strength properties you know like if i've got a carbon fiber bumper and i i have i hit a wombat you don't even know what that is right <laughs> I, I yeah I, <laughs> I got young kids so you know they always learn about the obscure animals that we've never heard of so i do know what a wombat is yeah yeah so i my workshop's next door to a smash repair and one of their big jobs is fixing cars after they've hit a wombat and i can tell you they do a lot of damage they're like they're probably what are they the size of a i don't know i've, I've just like a sports bag maybe you know like if you had a hockey bag just full of stuff full of bricks and you put it on the road that's what hitting a wombat's like so but i mean obviously i mean steel doesn't survive so that that's a bad example but you know if you, if you have a bit of a, a hit on a carbon fiber what, what's the strength like that compared to a cheap shitty metal bumper yeah that's a good question so it all depends on what you know what way the impact is going you know is it is it like blunt force or shear or you know, how's it hitting it? I will say that it, it's going to survive um, unless, you know, you're just coming at it with, you know, just like a, a, a gantry crane, you know, just trying to rip it off. I mean, anything will rip off with enough force, but it survives pretty darn well. Just to give an example of that, uh, back when I was making the Falcon bumpers, and this is in fiberglass. So, so um, you know, your tensile strength and, and some of your strength properties are, are even... Um, but there, there, there's a bigger advantage with carbon, yes. But even if you get a high-end woven fabric fiberglass with a nice resin, we were building those for the Falcons. And one of the Falcon owners that had one of our front bumpers on sent a picture. He was unloading his Falcon off of his trailer. He had gotten the rear down. His ramps slipped and his front came off the front. And it, it took the, the back end of that trailer right on his bumper. Fiberglass bumper. Now you would think it would have ripped right off of that. Nope, it didn't. Now it tore on the backside. So 
you know, you, you tore some of the layers of the fiberglass away from the resin lamination, but it did not come off. It did not break the bumper. It did not even come off the car. It just kind of ripped some of the back layers. And that was just in fiberglass with carbon. It would have survived a little bit better even. And so you can get them pretty darn strong. Um, I don't know. It depends on how fast you're hitting that wombat though. I don't know if I would guarantee it uh, against wombat shatters. Yeah. I mean, a guy who's putting this stuff on his trucks probably not chasing wombats too often. No. <laughs> That's so, true. So, the, you know, I, I guess you've outlined a, a few of your common customers, but I, I suppose in some ways there's, so it, to my mind, there's two reasons that you would go down that, or three reasons. One, you, you want a smooth form that you can't maybe achieve as easily with the steel. Then you then you've got the guy who just wants it because it's cool as shit and it's carbon fiber and he can afford it. And then you've got a guy who's a racer. So you know, guys who are are we talking like autocross sort of stuff or drag? What what's the market for the for the race stuff over there? Yes and yes. So autocross, drag. Um, we do like uh, mile speed events, so almost like salt flat style uh racing um kind of anything performance any any type of racing where you're starting to see these old classic trucks dip into where they're just trying to lighten up mostly the front end um that's where you see them i will say the thing that surprised me the most it's our top seller um and it goes in just about any application you can think of so anybody out there that's listening right now going i don't care about carbon fiber garbage i like chrome I like, you know, classic sleek lines. I'm going to paint everything. This Muncie Speed is not for me. Like, this is ridiculous. Consider this. Our number one seller is what we call a blank slate gauge bezel. So whatever truck you're in, just look at the gauge bezel right now. Imagine if that were just completely blanked out smooth. No holes whatsoever. Because there are so many good aftermarket gauge companies out there now that have just these like killer styles, but they're somewhat oddball shaped or size that people have to go in and figure out how are they gonna make their original bezel fit these really cool new gauges. Ours has no holes whatsoever. And you can get it in carbon fiber or you can get it in fiberglass. And that is our number one seller because even if you're just an old school chrome street rod guy, but you want this gauge set in there, this is the answer for it. Cause then you can put your holes exactly where you want that is, uh, we sell it as a lost leader, so we almost make no profit whatsoever on those because we want people to be able to at least get familiar with Muncie Speed product and, and kind of go, oh, okay, I get it. When they're holding it in their hands, when it's a fiberglass part, they're holding it in their hands, flip it over to the backside and look and go and, and realize like, oh, okay, this is not chop strand. This is a nice fabric. And, you know, the, the lamination is tight and, you know, it feels good in your hands. It feels solid, but it feels light. Um, and, and those guys are the ones that, that we really, uh, we were surprised by that being our customer base, but it really spans across all of them. Even the guy who doesn't race his truck, he just wants a cool looking truck to take to the street cruises. This is the product that he goes for now past that. Yeah. We get into some like ridiculously light, you know, like fenders, hoods, um, you know, uh, other things I can't talk about yet, but, you know, just think big, heavy parts on your truck. Uh, just lightening it up, there's a lot of advantage to that, whether you make it look pretty with a carbon fiber exposed weave or you just go fiberglass and paint it with the rest of the truck. 
Yeah, no, it's it's super cool, and um, you know, I think anyone who jumps on your Instagram or on your website and looks at all the products and the quality of them, they they look awesome. So I definitely. If you're listening to this and, you know, like Jeff said, if you're thinking, oh, yeah, that shit's not for my car, you know, have a bit of a look, you know, there's some cool stuff on there and, you know, it could be that little bit of different bling that that the guy at Cars and Coffee next week doesn't have, you know, just just have a good think about it. So so on that note, you know, you do have a bit of an am- announcement for us, you know, you contacted me a little while ago and we were, we were chatting about the fact that you're getting a lot of orders from Australia and, you know, you're sort of saying, where do we where do we sort of chat in Australia and get someone to be a stalker? So do you want to have a chat to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I owe you a, a, a big debt of gratitude because you pointed me in the right direction. So I told you, I'm like, man, I, I have these orders coming in from Australia and it's such a pain in the butt to ship. Over here in the States, we can use UPS pretty freely and the shipping rate's no problem. As soon as you try to ship to Australia, Oh man, that price jumps up. So the only way to do it is to physically walk the box over to the United States post office. And, you know, then you get, you can, the, the, the buyer actually gets a decent rate, but that process just, it really messes up the flow on the website because our e-commerce set is just not really tailored towards USPS international. So it just messes things up. And I thought, how do I solve this problem? I, Shipping to Australia is becoming such a popular thing, but a pain in my butt. So how do I how do I remove this pain in my butt? And you said, oh, easy answer. Classic pickup supplies. Give them a call. They're family owned. They've been open for 18 years. Uh, they're great people. They're they're actually a sponsor of the the podcast, or at least they were at one point, because I always hear the the pre-roll. Um Still and uh, oh yeah, that's right. He always talks about them at the beginning of his podcast. Why don't I reach out? So I I wrote that email to them just to kind of introduce. And I got to tell you, if you ever own a business and write an email to somebody internationally trying to introduce your product, it's it, it, there's there is no way you can't write it and it not sound like a scam. <laughs> it's just every time I wrote that note out trying to introduce myself. Um, it just came out like I was trying to scam something. So finally, uh, I settled on an introduction note and sent it across. And uh, I got a response back within a couple of days saying, yeah, sure, let's talk. We're interested. These look like really cool products. Um, and, you know, we'd, we'd like to know if this is something that that we should bring in. So talk to them. Been uh, great. Oh, my gosh. I cannot tell you how nice it was talking to somebody that owns the company, understands the product, understands the trucks, and understands the customer base. And uh, said, yeah, this is a little bit outside the wheelhouse of what we have here available. This stuff looks really cool. Let's give it a shot. Um, so we set up uh, an initial order and he, uh, they, they, they agreed to say, yeah, we will be the Australian distributor for Muncie Speed product in Australia. So now no longer anybody who's in or near Australia you don't have to wait on me to actually make and walk your product over to USPS and it end up there uh, in a month. Uh, every single Australian who has ordered has been super cool and way relaxed about how long it takes to get there. But now, Classic Pickup Supply is going to be offering all Muncie Speed product for folks to either pick up in store 
or order through them, and then they'll make sure that they get their product. And I am super excited about that because our post office is small and I don't ever want to visit our post office again. So they're going to take that, take care of that for me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. No, they're, they're really good. And yeah, I chatted to Ben today and, you know, they're, they're putting together um, a bit of info on the website. So hopefully by the time this podcast launches, um, you know, you'll be able to get on the classic pickup supplies uh website and, and check out a bit of stuff and i'm sure there'll be a bit of social media um going on introducing you know this new fandangled carbon fiber parts for us to check out and uh and fiber so i'll i'll make a prediction now <clears throat> and i'm making this completely off off of just the heels of, of nothing other than what i've seen purchased so far i i think the number one seller is going to be the uh, F100 under dash bezel. So this is a bezel that goes underneath the dash, kind of where your AC vents should go. But most air conditioner, aftermarket air conditioner guys, either the, the suppliers either give you just this kind of cheesy plastic setup or they give you instructions that say, step one, bore a big hole in your metal dash. No way, no way. So this is a bezel that just goes right underneath. And again, just like all of our blank state, slate stuff, you can put your holes where you want. You can put what style vent you want in there. I'm going to predict right now that that's going to be the number one seller for a while. We'll see if I'm right. I'll have to eat my words. I'll have to come back on and eat my words if I'm wrong. But I think that's going to be the seller. No, that's cool. And I mean, that leads me straight into the question that you may or may not want me to ask. But we're in Australia. We we got the steering wheels over here on the other side. So, how much of the sort of stuff you know you, you've built stuff for the U.S. market, but how much of that either is symmetrical and will definitely work in our trucks, or you know what what's your knowledge on that situation? Clueless, completely clueless. So, I think what we're going to do is we're going to get in in the places where <clears throat> either folks have the coveted uh, left hand drive. American versions um, or things that that fit both sides uh, that are reversible. But based off of what I'm going to get back as far as feedback from CPS, um, that's going to really dictate where future development goes. So I am absolutely about supporting the builders. We're all builders ourselves. We all have cars ourselves. So to us, it's about what is the niche product that folks don't have. And I mean, heck, I built parts for Falcons, so I'm not afraid to uh, to to do some niche stuff. So if I hear back from Ben that, hey, look, you know, uh, that'd be great if you could make this for a right-hand drive, left-hand drive, you know, to have it available for both, <clears throat> I'm all ears. If there's enough demand for it, I want to make it because the all, all I want to do is make sure that the builders who need the things that they can't find anywhere else that we can tackle in composites, we get to it. And if we get enough folks to where we can at least pay off our tooling and we don't make much of a profit past that, whatever. At least the folks are taken care of and then it'll sort itself out in the future as far as, you know, if, if that survives as a product or not. So I'm, I'm waiting to hear back from Ben on what people tell him. Yeah, that's great, but, you know, I need it for the steering wheel on the other side. Give me that feedback and let's get the parts so we can get it developed. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And and talking that, you know, 
left-hand drive, right-hand drive. We've chatted about this uh, on Messenger a bit, and and you were you were really heated after listening to one of the podcast episodes, and and I just thought it'd be awesome if you could just talk about that, you know, because it's it's an interesting debate that I think that that we all have over here, and um, I think it was the the Big L's Chop Shop edition uh, episode. We were chatting to um, Leon Davies and. He was talking about switching to right-hand drive and then people thought that leave it left-hand drive and then you could sell it back in America. And yeah, just talk to us a bit about your feelings. Yeah, yeah, well, man, you didn't hear me yelling at my headphones that time when I was listening to it. I was I was screaming, no, what are you doing? No, you got it all wrong. So, you know, unlike Australia over here in the United States, we don't have all of those engineering inspections. You could just put something on the road that could possibly, you know, take out a building as soon as it goes down the street, just being, you know, so dangerous that you, you can drive it, not a problem. So we, part of, I will, I'll, I'll start by saying, I think it's American car culture, but maybe it's not even American car culture. Maybe it's just, a, just car culture nowadays. We love our cars to have identity crisis. That's, that's what makes cars interesting to us. We want a minivan that thinks it's a sports car. We want a truck that thinks it's a diesel truck or a low rider. We want our, you know, sedan to think that it's some kind of F1 supercar. That's what makes cars interesting to us, right? <clears throat> Same with trucks. We want our trucks to think they're low riders. So um, we want our vehicles to think they're Australian. So you were saying, well, you should probably keep it left-hand drive so that way you could sell it back to the States and it would be, you know, sellable. No way. You know what's cooler than left-hand drive? Right-hand drive. You show up to a Cars and Coffee and somebody's there with something right-hand drive. Okay, they just got more points. Look at that thing. It's right-hand drive. Anything, if you had two identical trucks and you were selling to the U.S. market and one was left-hand drive, one was right-hand drive, you would get a premium on the one that is right-hand drive because it is obscure. It's rare. It's it has an identity crisis. It thinks it's Australian. It thinks it's a European car in in you know in the United States. That makes it so much cooler to us. So yeah, I totally disagreed with you. And man, did you get a note from me on that one, right? I said, no, 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 keep it right hand drive. That's so much cooler. You'll you'll have a premium off of that. So again, I could be totally wrong. I I would put money on that. Me personally. Left hand, right hand, I would buy that right hand drive all the time because that is just so cool. If I want left hand drive, I'll get in, in in mama's SUV and drive it around. Whatever. You know, I could do that all day long. So that yeah, that one had me heated, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I mean person me personally, I'm a converted right hand drive guy because that's I don't know. I just I think it's safer for driving on our roads, but there's a million guys listening right now. Well, I wish there was a million guys listening right now. There's probably about 400 guys listening to us right now. And they're all saying, I love my left-hand drive truck because it's different. It's not that dangerous. I drive it every day. I'm fine. It's not a and I'm not disagreeing with you. I've never driven. Actually, I've never driven a left-hand drive car in Australia. But um, I've definitely driven on the other side of the road a lot. I've spent a lot of time in America and Canada, but. Yeah, I, I just, for me, uh, I want my wife to be able to drive it. I just want anyone to be able to get into it and, and hear that that's sort of the way to go. But yeah, I hear, I mean, maybe I should just start building right-hand drive trucks and ship them to America and sell them. 
I think that you would find yourself a, a, a very nice niche market there. Uh, yeah, I'd buy it. <laughs> That's cool. Well, let's let's talk a bit about a bit more about trucks because we're a truck podcast. You sent me a picture of a very nice unibody. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so it's a a sixty one F one hundred unibody. I've now owned it for gosh, I don't know, going on almost two years. It is um, the outside is patina, red and cream, original color. There's no rust on the truck anywhere. The beds usually are all rusted out in those things. This thing had a very nice life. It's super straight. There are no dings or dents anywhere on it. Matter of fact, it's still got the original 292 Y block with uh, a four speed on the floor. So it's got the granny gear in it. Um, I got that truck for $200. I won it in a raffle. Now I know everybody's thinking like, I don't win anything. I'm right there with you. I don't win anything either. So this was a first. And uh, yeah, there was a, a raffle going on by the Ford era, which is a, a big uh, Instagram uh, community here. And well, I guess it's kind of worldwide, honestly, because I see people from all over on that. So they were raffling it off during COVID so that they could raise some funds for one of their local charities. And, um, you know, I, I, I know the guy who was running the raffle. He, uh, he, he hit me up you know, GM'd and said, Hey, you know, if you'd, uh, maybe consider helping me out, buying a raffle ticket, it really mean a lot. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Sure, man. I'll buy, I'll buy a raffle ticket. I'll, I'll help you out. And anybody who's, you know, entered in one of those, you know, you're never going to see your money again. So you are truly just donating. Right. So donated my 200 bucks, maybe like two months later, I, I got this phone call, uh, and it was from them saying, yeah, Hey, you won the truck, which was super crazy. I love that truck, man. I take that thing out every Saturday morning. There's, I live in a town that's less than 3,000 people, but it's such a hot rod little town. There are cars everywhere in this town. And every Saturday, they just go up to the local coffee shop and hang out. I take that truck every Saturday, man. So you'll see if you, if you get on Muncie Speed's Instagram account every Saturday, you can go look at the, um, go look at the stories and you'll see me driving that thing, uh, to or from the coffee shop. What a cool little truck that thing is. And does that have any uh, Muncie Speed parts on it? Not a bit. Nope, not a single one. It's, uh, it's, it's so funny because it just doesn't fit into what, uh, what Muncie Speed parts catalog has because it's just, it's just a bone stock farm truck. Now, slowly, as friends see the truck, and you know we're 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 having coffee and a donut on Saturday morning. Slowly, they're trying to work me into what the truck could be. That would be a little bit more a moniker of the company. And um, I got to say, it's it's hard to say no so many times in a row. But uh, I think they're slowly working me down on maybe something that's a little bit more performance friendly. I just got to do it in a way. The truck is so original. I got to do it in a way where I can preserve everything that it can go back to original um if need be so that would mean basically an entire body swap i'd have to put it on a on a new chassis new motor the whole thing so that way i could just preserve all the original stuff so i'll have it all available if it ever needs to go back oh man you know once you say once you stop saying no and start saying yes to the possibility uh, it's just a snowball effect of like oh well then what could we do with this truck yeah totally i i i guess there's a there's probably a market there in the states for you know, especially in movies and stuff like that, for having something that is 
a running bone stock original kind of vehicle too. Like, you know, there must be all us nutcases keep chopping them up and lowering them and doing stuff to them. It must be getting harder to find a driver that is bone stock. I would imagine, yeah. Because, uh, you know, nothing nothing survives the test of time, you know, to stay original unless it's purposely kept in that condition, you know, and curated as part of some kind of collection. Um, that Yeah, that movie car industry is a, that is a hot, hot commodity right there. So um, there's there's definitely chaps that that have, you know, cars that they keep specifically for that. But you're right, man. Every day that goes by is another potential original bone stock truck that uh, gets converted over into something because, uh, you know, knuckleheads like me who can't leave it alone. Yeah. And I mean, it's getting, I, I think that, you know, you guys are probably four or five years ahead of us as far as I think it was a muscle car thing and then all different cars. And then it's got to a point where all those, have, all the barn finds or secret cars, they've kind of all been found now and, and, or, or they're so expensive. And then, that's sort of why the C10s and the F100s became a popular thing for young guys to build because they could find them and they were cheap. And then they started building them up and and now we're 10, 15 years down the track and, and they're actually becoming hard to find again and oh, yeah. the value of them are going up. And I mean, that's happening here in Australia as well. You know, if you've got a, a two-door Holden coupe, you know, like they're worth squillions of dollars at the moment, even in rusted out condition. And, and it's getting to the point where, you know, those those farm trucks that are, I mean, they're still sitting on farms. I, I could go for a drive for a couple of hours from here and I'd, I'd see a whole bunch of different trucks on farms and, and they're getting to a point where I think in five or 10 years time, you're not going to be able to find them anymore because guys like us are buying them and we're doing them up. And I, I think it's awesome. It's better than rusting away or going to scrap, you know? So yeah, that's, that's really cool. Let's, let's talk about another thing you do, which I'm a huge huge fan of you've got you've got a special business card too why don't you have a chat to us about that the orange card that's right um that's it's uh it, it all came from a, a convergence of two things so SEMA which I'm sure most people know what SEMA is in order to get into SEMA to get registered for SEMA one of their criteria was you had to have a business card you need to prove that you know you you are part of a an, in the industry uh, to get in. So that means you know most people are just going on some quick you know printing company and ordering like the smallest batch of business cards that you can get. And you're good to go. I don't believe in business cards. I don't think that you know in in 2021 a business card is probably not needed as much as it was 20 years ago. Because we've all got a smartphone, we all can you know search the web pretty easy. So um, I had to get a business card in order to get in. I hate waste, so I was trying to think how can I get something that's a business card that I actually would want to hand out. So my wife has always been into fashion and she loves shoes. She's she has a shoe collection that's pretty crazy, as I'm sure other guys know. They probably suffer the same fate. Um, so anytime she would go out with a new set of shoes, she was always complimenting other people on their shoes and folks would, would compliment her on shoes. It became this nice compliment game. And I thought like, wow, that feels really good. Guys don't do that. You'd never see a guy complimenting each other on a hoodie or a hat or their shoes, right? We just don't do that. Oh, wait, you know what we do compliment each other on? Cars. 
That same Falcon that I said that I would drive to the local grocery store parking lot to hop inside the commuter van, twice I came back and um, there would be a card sitting on my windshield saying, hey, really nice car. If you want to sell this, let me know. Um, and that was just kind of cool to get that note. And that brought up the idea. It was like, wait a minute. What if I just turn this card into one of those compliments? And then anytime I see a cool car, I'll just drop it on there. So I got to give it a name. Well, Muncie Speed's colors were gray and orange. Gray is not all that eye-catching. So I went with the orange and created this business card. On one side, it just says hashtag the orange card, all one word. And then on the back side, it has a nice little note that just says, you know, hey, just wanted to say nice ride. Thanks for, you know, keeping the, uh, the, um, the culture of uh, cars alive or something like that, right? Just something just, just to the point to say, hey, man, thank, you know, thanks for having a nice car and, and keeping this thing going. Um, the original version of the orange car did have to have names on it in order for it to qualify for SEMA. I have since handed out all of those. I've dropped all of those on cars that I thought were cool, had to reorder. So when I reordered, it only had the, you know, thanks for keeping the, you know, nice ride. Thanks for keeping the, the, the American or the, the car culture alive. And then on the backside, it just says the orange card. Nowhere on it does it have anything about the company. Um, if you go online and just search the orange card, then it'll, it'll be a little bit more apparent where it's coming from. But it was never supposed to be about promoting product or Muncie Speed, the brand, it was really just supposed to be about giving somebody a compliment on their car. To this day, anytime that I'm in a parking lot and I see a nice looking car of any, any form, I'll drop the card on it, take a couple pictures, throw it online. Hopefully they come back and find it. The best way or the best result out of those is when they find the post online and then they give you a little bit more history about the car, which is always really cool to learn about these cars. So, yeah, that's the orange card. Go online and just search hashtag the orange card and you'll see tons of them pop up. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's an awesome uh, concept. You know, like we you see cars all the time and you, yeah, you just want to meet the owner or talk to them, but they're never there anyway. But that's just a little way to say, you know, I guess they'll, they'll come out from the shops and they'll just won't know who did that, but they'll just be stoked. They'll, you just made their day, right? Yeah, exactly. So part of the rules of the orange card is the person can't be around. And it can't be at a car show. You can't drop it on a car in the parking lot of a car show. That's too on the nose, right? You can't drop something at like SEMA. That's too on the nose. This has to be at like the hardware store or out at, you know, dinner or whatever. And somebody, we all know because we have these cars, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt to take that car out, right? It's so much easier to just take the, you know, the new modern car out to dinner. But when you take the classic out, it smells different. It sounds different. You know, you're compromising a little bit of comfort or, or whatever it may be. You are doing that on purpose. So that's part of the reason why you do that. So they can't be around and it has to be somewhere that, that shows that, you know, they kind of went out of their way to drive that car. So that way they always get the surprise when they come out, which is so cool, man. There's been times where, I'll get back in my car and, you know, we're waiting on something. So we're still in the parking lot when the person comes out. They have no idea, you know, who put this on their car and just kind of watch their reactions. Really neat. Mm, no, that's super cool. And it, it's similar to I, I had a bit of a rant. I don't, I don't know if it was on on the last episode or whether it was on the one I tried to record that I fucked up last week. But um, I, I there was 
someone on Facebook and they were they commented on a on a vehicle and it was just really negative and I was like, you don't have to like what someone's doing, but you can appreciate that they've put their heart and soul and they've put hundreds of hours and thousands of dollars into building something. It's cool just because of that reason. You don't have to love it. You, no one's asking you to drive it, but you know, you just you can appreciate it. Even you know, like if you give something a like on Facebook, you're doing kind of a similar thing, but not quite as personal. But you're just appreciating something. And if it's a mini or if it's a, you know, like a a an old van, something that I personally wouldn't drive, but I can see that someone's customized it and they've done a bunch of work to it and they've taken it out and they're proud of it. Yeah, that's like you say, you just drop the card and yeah, I think it's really awesome. Yeah. Compl everybody needs a compliment, man. Be positive, right? Yeah. yeah I really like the um the plant in the background there on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the compliment, man. You're gonna have to you have to come up with a, a nice plant uh card as well. So you were saying that you like the idea enough to where you were gonna do something similar to this, is that right? Yeah, well, I need to do some um, business cards for the podcast because, you know, we're a, we're a smaller population, obviously, than America and, and podcasts to, you know, if, if I were to guess, and I'd only be guessing, but the average age of the um, the guy in Australia who's maybe working on an old classic truck, I'm sure it's changing. There's more younger guys getting into it, but the average guy's probably retired or he's close to retirement and he's maybe got a bit of time and the money now and he's working on an old vehicle. He doesn't know about this podcast yet because he's not that techno savvy. Mm -hmm. you know, he might be on Facebook at best and then I put a post up about the podcast and like I get so many people message me and they're like, how do I watch this thing? You know, and I'm like, well, you don't watch it <laughs> at all. So it's... <laughs> That it's kind of a um, it's one of my missions is to try and educate people enough to know what a podcast is and and even if it's just they they may never be able to do that on a smartphone but they can go to the website and just listen to it directly you know so I think I can do a business card that just some basic explanation of what the podcast is plus I can compliment them on their truck and you know the website link and they can go and check it out so that's kind of where I'm coming from. I love that, man. That's that's super exciting when I hear folks say that they want to make it their own. If this thing can become bigger than what I originally had as far as an idea, if, if people can own it for their own car shows or, you know, their own promotion, but then also give a compliment, I always, I love that. Early on, I had some some questions as far as like, well, can I go on your website and buy some orange cards? No. You get them way cheaper. Just go any print and design and make them your own. They don't have to be mine. Make them yours. Go run with the idea. Come on, you know, spread some positivity out there. Go for it. You have my permission. Do it. Nah, absolutely. All right, mate. Well, we, we might start wrapping things up, but so you've you've got the unibody. Do you have any other trucks? Like, have there been other trucks in your life? I do, man. And <clears throat> laugh, laugh at me as you will, and I'll laugh at myself for this. But my absolute favorite truck I still have to this day. And it was a hand-me-down, actually. It was my grandpa's. He bought it brand new. And then when he passed away, my dad got it. And then when my dad passed away, I got it. I love the truck to death. It is a 2002 Toyota Tacoma base model, four-banger, five-speed, barely has carpet in it, 
roll-up windows, no key fob, nothing. Bare bones base model truck. And I love that truck so much. It's so cool. And I've done nothing to it whatsoever. I've changed the O2 sensor. That's what I've done so far. I love that truck so much because it is just, it's gutless and you just have to wring it out. But it's such a small little truck compared to everything else that we have nowadays, especially out here in Texas. Trucks are just supersized into almost like diesel trucks. Yeah, that's my other truck. And I know that that's completely different than probably what the listener base is. I love that little truck so much, man. Yeah, so that's a, is that a four-wheel drive? Nope. Two-wheel drive. Now, I've had, I've had four-wheel drive uh, Toyotas in the past, and anybody who's had one knows you could just beat the snot out of those. So, you know, they'd be like the Hilux uh, over here. They call it a Tacoma. You could just beat the snot out of that thing. And we used to have those things in the off-road all over the place. I'd never been stranded by one of my Toyotas. Uh, and no, so this one's, it doesn't even have a transfer case. It is as bare bones as you can get. No, it's cool. It's, uh, yeah. Everyone, everyone here's had a Toyota or driven a Toyota, and my daily is a pretty gutless Toyota Land Cruiser. So I, I don't even have a cup holder in it. That's how basic. Yeah, that is. <laughs> but it'll it'll get you where you want to go all the time, right? Yeah, it was. It's. I looked at it today because I was chatting to a guy. Um, it's got six hundred and seventeen thousand kilometers on it original motor and transmission so so it's barely broken in yeah it's just just warming up yeah it, it'll get some power soon hopefully <laughs> uh all right jeff well mate thanks so much for joining us and you know if people want to check out your stuff they can get on instagram at muncie speed now do you want to spell that out for us because it's a bit different it sure is m-u-n-s-s-e-y is how you spell muncie and then uh, speed is exactly like you were taught in the grammar school. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, and, and obviously classic pickup supplies in Coolum Beach. Uh, you can check them out on Instagram, Facebook. They've got their website. And uh, yeah, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, uh, Ben's got his act together and he's got a bit of information on the website. So, but also I'm assuming, what is it, MuncieSpeed.com? Yep, you can go to MuncieSpeed.com. Pay attention when you go on the website, even if you're in the Australian market and, you know, definitely go through classic pickup supplies, but go on our website and read carefully because you'll find out one thing there. We do not take ourselves serious at all. You will find Easter eggs all over the place. Matter of fact, here's a fun one. Call our phone number. We won't answer, but the voicemail you'll get is great. Or add an item to your shopping cart Put in your email address and then ditch out. Like, don't buy it. Just put anything. Just find anything. Put it in your, your shopping cart. Put in your email address and then close the, the page. Check your email the next day. It'll be very evident that we are all about goofing around and hopefully it'll make you chuckle. All right. I'll do that now. All right, mate. Uh, awesome chat. And uh, yeah, really appreciate you coming on board. And, you know, I appreciate you looking after us Aussie customers, really. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you. You're in my ears every, every time you drop something. Uh, I'm listening to it all the way out here, and uh, I'm answering back. I'm, I'm in the conversation, whether you can hear it or not. I know putting these on is a little bit of work for you, 
I totally get that. I absolutely appreciate it. I know it's a labor of love, but just understand there's listeners out there like us that absolutely appreciate the time and effort you put into this. So keep it up, man. Like we, we definitely appreciate it. No, thanks, man. I really appreciate hearing that. You bet. All right. See you later. All right. See ya. You've reached Muncie Speed, where we take cool parts serious, but we don't take ourselves serious. And you shouldn't either. Statistically, chances are that this is a robocall trying to solicit who knows what, which is why we're not going to bother stopping work, taking off our gloves, and answering the phone once again just to hear about how we can take advantage of some stupid offer. Tell your robocall overlords we don't want any of whatever they're peddling. And the slight chance is a real human looking for some real cool classic American truck parts and you just can't find the answer what you're looking for on our website, then leave us a voicemail and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Oh, and be sure to brag a little bit about what you're building because let's face it, we like that sort of stuff. All right, later. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally... If you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day, even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket. You'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.